Hey everybody, it's me, Stu Helm, the food fan here at Food Fan Headquarters with another exciting episode of Asheville Food Fans. It's a podcast that I record throughout the week and then I put it together for broadcast on WPVM 103.7 FM, the voice of Asheville, broadcasting to the world. everybody i've got a great show lined up for you today i have a wonderful interview with a very interesting person who works in our town and makes a bunch of great products and i've got some unsolicited advice for you at the towards the end of the show and then some pizza reviews pizza 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 there was a lot of pizza in my life in the last uh, couple of weeks there's pizza in my life every week what can i say i like it and uh, a little bit of breaking news towards the end too so stay tuned for that uh it's just a brand new piece of news that i accidentally stumbled upon i tell you i don't usually break the news because once you start breaking news there's a lot of pressure to keep doing it and I don't need the pressure in my life, folks. So I've broken a couple of stories recently. That's not why I'm here. That's not what I'm doing. So don't don't get used to it is what I'm trying to say. All right. Before we get on with the rest of the show, I just want to say that tonight I ate at Benet on Eagle. And it was great. I got some wings. They were great. The dry rub, kind of spicy. It's called Berber, I think. And... uh and I also got some ribs, and they were great. And they got some trout that was just divine. And as I was eating the ribs, I was thinking, these are great ribs. And I've been eating a lot of great ribs lately. The other day, Chef Tom from Twisted Laurel served me some ribs, and they were freaking great. And so I was thinking, maybe an easy competition to bring back would be a ribs competition, because they could make them way ahead of time then just reheat them or whatever, you know? So maybe a rib rumble, something like that, a, 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 a rough and ready rib rumble. I don't know. I, I'm i always trying to think of food fights to have, but I don't really want to produce them. So never mind. Forget I said all that. Let's get on with the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the show. I've got a special guest in the studio with me today. And I know I say all my guests are special, and that's because they really all are. Every single one of them. We're all special. Didn't your, didn't your loved ones tell you that growing up? And it's true. We're all special. Um, so anyways, yes, I'm sorry. I'm being silly. But our special guest today is a, a wonderful person named Ren Elizabeth. And Ren is here from a company called Murtails. And Murtails is a local Asheville company that makes elixirs and other things as well. And we'll get into the products and what they do. But Ren and I know each other because we were part of a, a panel discussion of sorts at Chow Chow about non-alcoholic beverages. Y'all know I don't drink. I say that so much it's getting to be pretty tired news. But uh, I get invited to things about not drinking. And Ren was there too. And we talked about non-alcoholic drinking. So, Ren, welcome to the show. And um, thank you for being part of that panel discussion. And how are you doing today? 
I'm doing pretty swell. I woke up this morning and was like, wow, fall is coming. It's sweater weather. So I'm enjoying the seasonal shift as it's on its way. So a hundred percent. Me too. Like the fall, fall just like fell. Like it was just like one day it was 90. The next day it was like 75. And pretty soon it's going to be in the fifties and stuff. And we'll be complaining about the cold. Uh, but yeah, it's a beautiful day here in Asheville and Asheville is just a beautiful, beautiful place. And Ren, I hope you don't mind me saying, but you're fairly typical of the type of person that I first encountered when I moved to Asheville. You're into all natural stuff. You, uh, you're cool. You know, let me just put it that way. And you're doing something. You're an entrepreneur. And I met so many people that were in those three categories when I first got here. So to me, and I, again, I hope you don't mind me saying this, you're a very Asheville person. And I mean that in the very best sense of that. So I'm very proud of that. <laughs> good, good. I'm glad to hear that. Um, so let's talk about uh, Murtails. First of all, let's explain to the people in pretty concise terms what you make, and then we'll get to the why you make it. But what do you what do you make? What are Murtails? Sure. So Murtails are herbaceous beverage concentrates that are non-alcoholic. Um, they're all botanically infused with herbs, flowers, and roots from throughout the Americas, uh, where I'm primarily sourcing my ingredients. And Murtails, to me, is the intersection of the cocktail and the mocktail. Coming from a women-owned company of herbalists, and our goal is to really fill your cup quite simply, but with something that's nutritious, that's beautiful, that's tasty, because why not? Of course. <laughs> and um, how many products do you have? Like I know I looked on your website and you have a line of their cute little bottles with really nice little labels, <laughs> different flavors. Um, I, am I correct that some of them are labeled as bitters? You make some bitters? Is that so correct? I I do make some bitters. Um, the Murtails line is comprised of currently four formulas and we're launching a fifth one this fall. So really exciting to yeah. be bringing that one into the market. And the Murtails are, so each one is actually based off of a cocktail or a soda that we grew up with. And so my goal was to create um, familiarity um, when bringing in, you know, the term elixir, which is essentially um, based off of, you know, uh, old, old ways of making things typically with alcohol and alchemy involved. So really working with extracting the essence and the aroma and the energetics of the plants and creating these um, substances that you can consume medicinally uh, more these days uh, recreationally. <laughs> so I'm trying to create um, an intersection there, drinking mm -hmm. health, of course. And um, yeah, really just uh, maintaining like that essence and energetic of the plant, but being able to bring it through in a way that's typically going to come in through the cup. And so each elixir has a mermaid on it. And each mermaid is a real woman who's oh. worked with me over the years in this non-alcoholic movement, bringing elixirs and other beverage items and herbal medicines to social gathering spaces, like festivals and retreats and events and such. And so each Murtail actually represents a couple different bioregions, as well as one of those drinks like a margarita, for example, or a Coca-Cola, or like the one we're going to be launching this fall, which is a mimosa. So oh, that's yeah. awesome. I always 
I always talk about how the best things in life combine the familiar and the different. And it sounds like that's exactly what you're doing with Mertails. Yeah, very Asheville. <laughs> very Asheville to do like think about Asheville is we like our comfort, right? We're into comfort and that things that are familiar bring us comfort, but we also like excitement and things that are different. Innovation, right? Yes. And we're all looking to sort of do our own thing in this town. And and it sounds like that's exactly what you're doing, Ren. You're doing your own thing and you're making it happen. How long have you been, how long has Murtails been around? But more than that, how long have you yourself been making elixirs or been interested in them? Sure. Um, Well, I feel like the Murtails as its own brand with the mermaids and with the look that you're seeing today, uh, we actually launched that brand during COVID. Now, pre-COVID, our business, um, which is under the umbrella of the Gnome Collective, which is a local collective here um, that also spans nationally and internationally with all these beautiful artists and folks and educators that we've worked with over the years to bring this movement to events. Um, we started this project in early spring of 2014. So that's really when we got on the ground with um, testing the market and coming into social spaces with non-alcoholic options. You know, people thought we were crazy back then. <laughs> They're yeah. like, uh, you're going to bring uh, non-alcoholic things to a festival, but we're here to party. And yeah. the reality was like there were several people in the industry who really needed this, not just as a recreational um, activity, but to actually address the greater need of healthcare. You know, the lack of healthcare in the gig economy, um, the lack of healthcare in part-time employees and certain, you know, industries like the food and beverage industry. And so we wanted to bring self-care in as a viable form of healthcare. And that started with what was in our cup. So, Mm. yeah. I love that. Um, And as somebody, again, who hasn't been drinking alcohol for now 12 years, um, I have seen the evolution of the non-drinking seen shall we say but the, the products specifically that have been coming out like cool hip new products that people want to display on their shelves and stuff uh phony negronis and uh like in a cool bottle and stuff like when i first stopped drinking it was a whole different story it was like you want a club soda with lime or do you want like some juice mm-hmm. and uh but it's great as a non-drinker to have so many choices now and part of that evolution I see is getting past just the like, all right, it's a tasty non-alcoholic beverage, but that it does have some benefit to it beyond just being delicious. Um, can Do you ascribe benefits to your elixirs? I do. I do um, in a very mindful way. You know, when you actually go into a bar and you start looking around, there's so much medicine at the bar. And oftentimes with mixology, the goal is to make something tasty, that's well-balanced, that looks beautiful, Um, but there's not much, you know, perhaps thought around how can I make this drink healthy? Because we don't think, oh, we go to the bar to get healthy. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, However, (laughs) we go to the bar to gather. And for me, like I want to gather in a healthy way with my friends. Mm -hmm. And so even becoming a bar owner, that wasn't ever a goal of mine, but it became the need from the community to have a watering hole that you could go to and Mm -hmm. you could ask questions about health and you could 
pair a beverage with maybe the experience you're having or the alcohol that you are going to consume or the substance that you might be on, um, speaking more like in an event culture. And so for me, like I always come back to the idea that like the bar is full of medicine already. It's just the way that you use it. And the medicine is in the dosage, right? So, you know, we've got citrus and we've got um, simple syrups and um, different dried and candied fruits at the bar. Uh, We've got fernets and all these different aperitifs and digestifs. And it's really the way that you use them. You know, you could certainly pair something like a fernet before or after a meal and it is going to support your digestion. And it's going to do that before your meal by actually activating um, your taste buds. You know, when you drink something bitter and you feel that bitter land on the back of your tongue, what it's mm-hmm. actually doing is it's telling the gut to start releasing HCL, hydrochloric acid. So it's actually a wake up call to your gut to be like, hey, I'm out on the town. I'm going to get a drink before I eat. Let me tell my body that food is going to be coming in. And so within 10 to 15 minutes, you've got this amazing activity going on in your stomach that's ready for food to come. And so by then eating after that, the stomach is like, hey, I'm here. I'm activated. Let's digest this food. It's just one simple example, you know, of how to use medicine at the bar. <laughs> That's great. And uh, I think that those fernets and other digestives were developed for that reason, even and a long time ago, uh, yeah. even though the science wasn't exactly known. And so it's kind of interesting to hear that perhaps the science has caught up to the to the ancient methods mm-hmm. of stuff and do i'm just curious and i'm sorry i'm sorry to just spring a question on you but do you have a non-alcoholic fernet uh equivalent that you make as a herbalist and uh what i saw you call yourself the, a biodynamic brewer i love that <laughs> so do you um, make a fernet type of a thing a digestive I currently don't make a fernet. Um, I know that there are ways to, you know, do an extraction and perhaps even remove the alcohol at the end of the process, or you can even just omit alcohol in the beginning and just use something like a glycerin or for example, like vinegar. So there's a local company called Edarine, and Mm. I'm a huge fan of theirs. They do small batch distillation. They have a fernet. They have Amaros, Nochinos, they've widened their line of spirits over the years, and they're working with a lot of wild ingredients. And that's what I think is really cool because like what we're doing with having um, organically cultivated herbs from small scale herb farms, as well as wild crafted herbs, um, Edorine is doing the same thing. And so there's certain areas where I'm like, well, if someone's already doing it, I don't know that I, you know need to recreate the wheel here. Um, But it is, it is inspiring. You know, there is a company called all the bitter and they're great play on words. They're all out in Chico, California. It's a family owned company and they're kind of paving that way as far as um, coming into the bitters realm with uh, glycerin based products versus, um, you know, alcohol that's going to have a high proof um, on it. And so, yeah, there's, like you said, there's a lot going on in the market. And mm-hmm. I do feel as an herbalist that there is a place for alcohol. But again, it's the medicines and the dosage. So, you know, a bitters could just be 20 drops on your tongue. Doesn't have to be an ounce and a half or two ounces of alcohol. 
going into one stiff drink. <laughs> That's a very good point. And again, like dosage for sure, because too much, uh, if you have a, a cough, you could take a spoonful of cough medicine and you might feel better. But if you drink the whole bottle, you're going to pass out, you know, <laughs> <Yeah>. so <laughs> don't do that. Don't, don't do that. Now, you mentioned a few minutes ago the Gnome Collective, and that's N-O-H-M, and you told me at the Chow Chow event that that's kind of a combination of the word nom, like nom, 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 eating food, <laughs> and om, like uh, when you're meditating and you say om, and mm -hmm. I really love that. <laughs> um, so what is the, like... Ren, I'm going to confess that you and I might have completely opposite diets. And I, right now I'm chugging like my fifth cup of coffee. And I know that, that you think that I should probably stop doing that every day. We talked about it at the Chow Chow event. Um, but what is the intersection of happiness and satisfaction? Like, you could, I could eat a loaf of bread, like for real. I love bread. You toast it, put some butter on it. I could, I could eat my way through a whole loaf of bread. Would I be happy? Mm. No, that would make me so unhappy afterwards. So you've put some thought into it. Uh, what, what is the gnome philosophy? Mm. So our mission um, came about, yeah, about 10 years ago when we were, I was like really seeing this intrinsic need in my community to, um, assess our relationships um, with each other and with the land as consumers. And so our mission is to encourage conscious consumption and conversation that's steeped in tradition. Now, I know the word conscious is like such a buzzword now. I feel like 10 years ago, it wasn't so much. <laughs> so it really had a lot of weight to it. But really my what came through me and like what's really come into the field as the collective has grown over the past decade is to really be open-minded and willing to address our relationship as consumers. And that comes back to relationships with what we're eating, what we're drinking, what kind of media we're consuming. You know, where is our time going? Where is our attention going? Um, my mentor, Sarah Wu, she talks about how like where we put our attention is where we put our intention. And so if intention is um, important to you, you know, like where your passion goes, what your offerings are in the world, you know, how you're showing up for your family or your community, like where your attention is placed is where that intention just goes. And so when we look at our um, food shed and our watershed, specifically here in North Carolina, I mean, we are, we are blessed. <laughs> like we really have an abundance of regenerative farms. Um, there's a biodynamic farm in the area. We've got all these small scale family farms. We have clean drinking water. You know, a lot of folks aren't always following that supply chain, if you will. Like if you're not in a business or if you're not a business owner that deals with manufacturing or distribution, you're not always thinking about the story of where this thing comes from. As a business owner, this is my favorite part. My favorite part is the supply chain. And that's because for me, it's giving me this landscape of who I want to work with, where are these ingredients coming from and how are these ingredients, which are usually plants for me, um, how are they grown? You know, like what is going into the soil? Like who is actually working with these plants? Who's sprouting these seeds? Who's harvesting these herbs? Oftentimes I insert myself into a lot of that process because I'm just fascinated with life, you know, and for me to be able to grow my own potatoes or 
grow my own medicinal herbs. Like that's a huge, um, would you say like act of, I feel like it's a revolutionary act. I feel in this climate we're in, in North America where consumerism is just very high and a lot of stuff is being outsourced to China and to, you know, different parts of South and Central America, our food shed here is so abundant. And so I've really committed myself to learning the stories of these things and then wanting to share them with people. You know, a lot of most Americans and most people in this world um, that are drinking coffee every morning don't even know what a coffee plant looks like. They don't even understand the process of growing this incredible, gorgeous plant with these beautiful berries and beautiful white flowers and going through the whole process to get it into your cup. So with the gnome, like we're just really here to have those conversations and to inspire people to really question their relationship as a consumer with what they're consuming. So, well, yeah. <laughs> that's a perfect answer. And again, a very Asheville attitude. A uh, <laughs> couple of the words I left out when I described like what I mean by you're very Asheville you're smart you're well researched and you're articulate and so you're that's a very typical Asheville thing too there's a lot of woo-woo people in this world that might just have great thoughts and ideas but they haven't really thought them all the way through or they can't really talk about them but here in Asheville you meet smart people that have we won't call them woo-woo ideas we'll call them thinking outside the box if we're going to like you, you said that other word was hip in the nineties and I just used a horribly old cliche, but yeah, people here in Nashville, they think outside the box and they're smart about it. And we learn stuff from each other. I just learned a bunch of stuff from you. Mm -hmm. um, and so I really appreciate that. And um, I, I wanted to just tell a funny story because you brought up people don't, a lot of people don't even know what a coffee plant looks like. I was one time tapped to be part of a a panel discussion, like a, a, no, what was it more like market research thing over the phone? Um, and I was split off into a, a pairing of just me and another person. And they asked us a series of questions. And one of the questions was, would you drink coffee that was not grown in America? And I said, the other question? <laughs> yeah. And the first, the first person, the other person said, I don't think so. I don't think I would trust coffee that's not grown in America. And I was like, most coffee is not grown yeah. in the United States of America. That was the question, the United States of America. And, and I mean, there's Hawaiian coffee for sure. But let's we'll, let's leave for another time the discussion of whether or not Hawaii should be part of the United States of America. If it doesn't want to be, you know, but you know, it was so ignorant. I mean, and, and bless her heart, she didn't she didn't know any better. She probably thought they grew it right there in, in Idaho or whatever. But that's that's exactly what you're talking about. Like people, they tapped her to be on this discussion, too, because she was very, very into coffee. Mm -hmm. And she didn't know that it wasn't grown in the continental United States of America. So, yeah, well, I mean, this this is where we're at, I think, with the age of media and the age of technology, it's really hard to find the truth sometimes, you know, a lot of things can be washed. I mean, you brought it up and this could be another topic for another time, but, you know, the rise of non-alcoholic products that's happening in North America is um, quite shocking. And um, I love it. Like, I love being here in this country and having the access to 
you know, the self-generated access to resources and community and the ability to create a product and, you know, kind of pioneer it before this whole NA movement caught fire over the past mm -hmm. couple of years and really exploded onto the market, right? But there is, just like any trend that comes through this country, there's going to be snake oil, there's going to be greenwashing. And, you know, my career before I stepped into um, really holding the Gnome Collective and expanding this whole mission with um, the beautiful team that's come together to support the movement, I was working in waste management in my early 20s. And I was doing that at festivals all over the world. And, you know, for me to have that, that exposure and that vantage point of our consumer experience and to see the mismanagement of waste and the lack of interest and in really talking about it and educating the community that was there generating the waste, you know, that's where a lot of my work went in the twenties or in my twenties. And it really just had me ignited in this way of, okay, if people don't know any better, like, can't, is it really their fault? Like, is it, the purpose of certain media and movements to keep us uninformed, you know, what if we are more informed? And so that's really been a big part of the gnome is to not really judge anyone or shame anyone, but to create a safe, neutral space, which ended up being a bar of all places um, to have these conversations. Because when I was sitting or standing rather at a waste management station at a festival, and I wanted to talk to someone about waste, they didn't want to talk to me at a trash can. Like we were at the end of a broken cycle. And so for me and my uh, evolution of my career, it's really cool how I've been able to kind of swim upstream back to the watering hole to have those conversations before someone goes to throw something away versus catching them at the end of a broken cycle. And so really having that, like those seats pulled up at the bar, you know, we come into these social gathering spaces of like, there's certain levels of trust that are kind of conditioned into us. You know, you come to the bar and you trust your bartender is going to help steward your experience and keep you safe and maybe put you in a cab at the end of the night if you're, you know, maybe had too much to drink. But in general, like we come into these like beautifully well curated spaces or sometimes like the diviest of places. And there's just a culture that's been built around drinking and connecting mm -hmm. and sharing. And I just truly believe that you can do that with alcohol and without alcohol. And we've experimented long enough to see that you sure can do it without alcohol. Yeah. And for some reason, a lot of what you just said is making me think of the marijuana industry versus the underground marijuana um, black yes. market that existed for decades. And as soon as it becomes legal, the waste that is produced by the marijuana industry, like every pre-roll comes in a little plastic tube yep. and you cannot recycle them. It is illegal to re return them to the store because it's illegal to reuse them. Oh my Lord. And uh, the, the like advertising style packaging too, like buy these gummies because the packaging looks like uh, Skittles or whatever. Yep. Um, and it's just capitalism, like, took over immediately. And it's not legal here in North Carolina yet, but as soon as it is here in Asheville, it's probably going to become a cottage industry. Uh, and the chefs and cooks are going to start working with it uh, above ground. They A lot of them already do underground. Um, and uh, But we're going to have to brace 
for this capitalist crush because big money wants to control it. And it's always been hard in Asheville for us. We try to keep chain stores out of downtown. We've mm -hmm. had moderate success with that. All of the hotels downtown are chains. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and we have a couple of like an Urban Outfitters and Ben and & Jerry's and stuff like that. But we've done okay keeping parts of Asheville very local. River Arts District and such hasn't been taken over. Um, so it's just what you said is just making me think of that and that we need to brace ourselves for that here all over the country. Of course, people of good intent need to keep that in mind, yeah. but here in Asheville in particular, cause it's gonna, it's gonna make us mad. This is what's going to happen. We're going to see all this waste product everywhere. Yeah. Well, I just want to encourage like the listeners to stay curious. I mean, that's really, you know, the best foot forward is to stay curious and ask questions and come back to that root of like, what is this thing that I'm putting in my body? What is the story behind it? You know, because we're in Asheville and we have that local touch, it's like I can shake hands, high five with so many of the consumers here in the area that that know, you know, what the Myrtles are or, you know, are coming through town and are seeing it on a menu. Um, it's been really great to just have that connection in Asheville to meet your maker. Like it's very normalized here. And I hope that that inspires people that travel to visit Asheville, as well as people that live here to stay curious, like who is the person behind this thing that I'm consuming? You know, what is the lifespan? What is the quality of this thing? And like, how, how do I want to feel, you know, because working with food and beverages to me, that is the medicine. That is the medicine. You know, if you can start with your water source and your food and your drinks, you can oftentimes find that you can rely less on perhaps, you know, like big pharma. Like I do feel like there's um, a reason for that as an herbalist. I'm more of an integrative herbalist. Like I don't bash or nix big pharma by any means, but there is a time and a place. Mm -hmm. And most of the time, come back to your food, come back to your water, because that is really what's going to help you set yourself up for the gut microbiome and all of these systems that are working inside of our body to give you the most vitality and to give you the relationship with yourself. You know, we're relating to all of this stuff outside of us all the time. We're constantly stimulated. And so I think one thing that I wanted to mention as far as like how to, you know, manage or take that self inventory, um, it's a little hack, or I don't even like saying the word hack, but it's like a little thing I picked up when I was working in waste management. When I was working in the Bay Area, I worked for a company called Waste Busters, and this is a zero waste uh, waste management company. And so you might think, well, what's zero waste? Can you actually gather and create no waste? <laughs> so in San Francisco, uh, we were playing around with like the um, percentages of 80 to 85% diversion. So if you can divert 80 to 85% of your waste out of the landfill, you can technically be a zero waste company or a zero waste um, operation. And then that leaves room for the fact that we're human and we are creating things. We are consumers. So to have that 15 to 20% reference, I like to take that from <clears throat> the waste management lens and apply it to my whole life. So it's like, okay, 80 to 85% of what I'm eating, I like to have as mostly seasonal food that is local within a 200 mile radius. Um, part of that might be wildcrafted. Part of that might come from my garden. 
Um, part of that might be something that I'm trading with someone else that maybe is growing something I'm not growing. Um, my water is also spring fed from the mountains here. The other 15 to 20% is like the piece of pizza I'm going to eat or the cocktail I'm going to go have, or, you know, if I'm traveling and I need to get like bottled water from the airport or something like, and there's tricks to get around that too these days, <laughs> um, which we can talk about another time, but. Sure. But no, I like that. It's giving yourself like a margin of humanness, right? Like I, I sometimes, and this is a reference to an old punk rock uh, piece of art that um, I sometimes say to myself, I've been too good for too long. Yes. And uh, <laughs> and I'll go do something, you know, quote unquote, yeah. bad. like, like eat, yeah. eat a whole pint of ice cream all at once or whatever. And it ain't gonna, it ain't gonna kill me, and it make me a little bit happier. And I think there is, uh, like gnome. I think there is a, a convergence of satisfaction and happiness. And when I say satisfaction, I mean eating a bag of chips is very satisfying to me. Um, and happiness is something different than satisfaction, although they are related. Um, and I just want to say, you, you said that you enjoy being, and we got to wrap up in just a few minutes, but you, you said you enjoyed being here in Asheville where you can meet your maker and, you know, like that's an expression for, for, uh, dying, right. Me meeting your maker means you, yeah. you drop dead. Um, so now I absolutely want to host a spooky October food festival called meet your maker where the makers come and the people meet them and everything is like death oriented or Halloween oriented. That's my new goal. I and love it, that. It is, it is a complete fantasy and it will never happen, but it would, <laughs> it would be great. Um, all right, Ren. Well, you're certainly a very interesting person to talk to and the time just flew. So I'm, I'm sorry, we got to say goodbye. But before we do just a little bit of business as, as quickly as you can, just tell us uh, where people can find you physically in Asheville and, and WNC and where people can find you online. Sure. So locally here in West Asheville, we've got our headquarters. Um, so we're actually opening a tasting room on Friday the 13th Ooh, next month. Your maker. <laughs> um, so we'll be doing our grand opening um, here at our location. We are now calling Brick, Mortar, and Pestle. And that will be a tasting room as well as a workshop space. And we're seeding some potential here to be opening up more of like an urban spa hydration bar next spring but for okay. the fall this year we're going to be keeping it chill with a tasting room and a bottle shop that's right here in west Asheville. um you can find out more about that and any releases that we're doing in pop-ups on our instagram which is the gnome so t-h-e-n-o-h-m if you're interested in the Murtails, you can find our instagram at the T-H-E underscore Mertails. That's M-E-R-T-A-I-L-S. And we are currently stocking around, I think, 22 locations locally. And that's everywhere from, um, we've got the Asheville Dispensary, which actually has a full service non-alcoholic elixir bar that I've helped curate over the past five years, as well as uh, local spas, bottle shops, couple breweries, cafes, and restaurants. So you can find that list on our website as well as on our Instagram and know that any of those places are rent approved <laughs> to nice. eat, to consume, to have a good time, to have a great Asheville experience, and you can have a Myrtle while you're at it. We also That's do great. nationwide. 
And when our bottle shop is open, you can come in and buy bottles and buy beverages by the cup. And I will say Asheville Dispensary and Asheville Salt Cave are both stocking bottles as well as Hooper's Wine Market and Maggie B's. So, great. That was it. perfect. That was great. <laughs> um, all right, Ren. It's been great seeing you again and great talking Thank to you. you. Have a wonderful day. Thank you. You as well. Bye-bye. Bye. <laughs> Folks, I just want to remind you that Western North Carolina is one of the hunger hotspots of America. Although we might think of Asheville as Food City, USA, there are a lot of folks who live in and around here who are dealing with food insecurity on a daily basis. So if you can, please give to Mana Food Bank. Mana has been providing food to the people of Western North Carolina for 40 years. They do a great job and they are a wonderful organization. So again, if you're able, please go to manafoodbank.org. That's M-A-N-N-A, manafoodbank.org, and give what you can to help out fighting hunger here in Western North Carolina. And now back to the show. All right, everybody. And now it's time for everyone's favorite segment, unsolicited advice. And who doesn't love unsolicited advice, advice you never asked for, advice you never wanted? Who doesn't love it? All right. And here's my unsolicited advice for all the restaurants out there in restaurant world. And here it comes, F your stickers and your koozies. That's right, I said it, F stickers and koozies, too many. And if you've ever handed me stickers and koozies, I'm not trying to hurt your feelings. I, I you know, swag, it comes our way and we accept it into our lives and we express thanks for it. And then it goes in the junk drawer, goes in the trash can. I'm sorry, I have thrown away a lot of stickers. You know, people hand me like whole stacks of their stickers, or they used to. Now I'm like, no, thank you. But uh, they used to. And then, and then, sadly, they might go out of business. And then the stickers, the whole stack of the stickers goes in the trash. And I'm the kind of person that internalizes every bad thing that happens in the world, right? So... They give me a stack of stickers. I keep, I don't know what to do with them. What am I going to give them away? What am I, their distribution network? No, I'm, and and what am I going to do with 25 stickers of my own? I'm going to put them on my bike and my lunchbox and my skateboard and, you know, like stick one to my forehead every morning. I don't know. Like they just sit in a stack on my desk. It, and and then, as I mentioned, sometimes the businesses might go out of business and then the stickers go in the trash. And then I feel guilty because I didn't distribute the stickers like it's my fault that they closed up. But I, I'm going to say, and it's nobody's fault, I'm not casting blame. The most successful restaurateurs sometimes open a place that, that goes out of business and I'll be throwing away their stickers until they open another business and give me more stickers and hopefully... Uh, but now I say no to the stickers. So if you open a new business, you try to hand me stickers. I'm going to politely say no, thanks. But yeah, um, it, don't do it. Don't spend your money on stickers. And now let's talk about koozies. Holy moly with the koozies. I'm from a time and place in America when there was no such thing as koozies. 
I was completely blissfully unaware of koozies when I was a young child. And I think maybe the first one I ever saw was when I was a teenager and the word koozie was kind of funny, <laughs> you know? Uh, yeah. And so, uh, yeah, like it, we survived just fine in the 1970s without a lot of koozies everywhere we had these things called coasters and they were made out of cork and, or, you know, if we're outside, we're just, you know, putting them on the ground or whatever. We don't need a, a little sweater for our drink. And I guess if you're drinking out of a can, uh, you don't want your beverage to go cold. And I, again, I was from a time, a different time and place than now and here in Asheville, and when I was coming up, we were drinking our cans of beer so fast, they weren't exactly getting warm. By the time the one in our fist was getting warm, it was, it, it just wasn't, <laughs> it was already gone, and we're pulling another cold one out of the cooler. Uh, so, and, but now, now it's a koozie world, like aliens are going to come down one day and be like, this was a civilization based on stickers and koozies um because everywhere you turn every somebody handing you a dang koozie with their logo on it and i go to food events you know and they give us swag bags and i always have koozies in them and it's always from the same places so i have if i could i give them away or i'd say no thanks or whatever and uh it, it, but if i wanted to i could have drawers of full of i could have separate drawer for every restaurant you know like oh, here's my drawer full of their koozies and my drawer underneath it is full of the koozies from the business next door so yeah a lot of a lot of stickers a lot of koozies a lot of swag bottle openers out the wazoo just uh ratchet it back a little bit on the swag because i know there's a whole industry out there trying to push this idea on you that you need to have swag people love swag everybody who goes all the press expects it the vips expect a bag and it's nice to get a bag but then you know there's not always a lot of great stuff in the bag i'll just be honest with you it's a lot of advertising uh, in the form of a bottle opener and I've already got a bottle opener at home and I've actually got like several, <laughs> several bottle openers. And so I know I sound like I'm complaining about getting free stuff and I kind of am doing exactly that because I, I, I in my heart wish that swag would sort of pull itself back or just go poof and disappear i would rather to be honest with you i get invited to these things and i get these vip swag bags right and they're food events and i at first when i was the young impressionable food writer i was like oh my god swag bag from a food event's gonna be full of food and it rarely, almost never is. There's almost never any food in there. And that, that just makes me sad. And also food is something you can eat, enjoy, take a picture of, post online. And, you know, like you can say, oh my God, I got this great piece of candy from this business and it was wonderful. So you can promote it a little bit. I am not going to promote a koozie. You know what I'm saying? Oh, I got a koozie from this brewery fantastic keeping my beer from sweating oh my god it's so crucial 
All right, I know I'm just a jerk, but that's my unsolicited advice for the restaurants. You don't have to spend money on swag. The press is not expecting it. We're the same five people every year that come to your events and we get the same stuff. And yeah, I mean, it's nice. We, I appreciate the gesture. I really do. I am an appreciative person, but yeah. You can pull that back. You don't have to spend your money on that. You just don't. You can spend your money on other stuff or just keep it. Keep your money and buy yourself a nice treat of some kind. Um, and I know that there are people in this world that love koozies. And there are probably people that love stickers that have brands written on them. And I might even be in a minority. But that is my unsolicited advice to you. Save your money don't bother with the swag just a nice treat would be fine piece of piece of chocolate can't go wrong with a piece of chocolate you don't even have to be a chocolatier that's the thing is you can get a chocolatier to make you a piece of chocolate and then you can have it packaged with your branding on it so you could be like yeah we sell you know shoes here's a piece of chocolate that's awesome You'd be my favorite shoe company ever. Oh my God. If there was a shoe company that gave me a free hot dog, just I'd be wearing their shoes for the rest of my life. So free food. That's what everybody wants. I'm not now, I'm not just speaking for myself. I am literally speaking for every single person in this entire world. And that's a huge demographic, y'all. Free food. That's all we really want out of life. Free food and beverages mostly alcohol for those who drink for me i don't drink alcohol i i you know a free non-alcoholic beverage is always great always great but you know free food's even better all right y'all unsolicited advice everybody's favorite segment if you're angry about what i say during unsolicited advice please leave me a comment on my Substack page somewhere oh the pizza guy is here Hey, Drew, how's it going? Hey, Stu, got your pizza here. Yeah, you do, and uh, my mom is here, too. I forgot it's my mom's. Yay! It's my mom's birthday today, and we have a whole bunch of pizza for her. And they're what? all a surprise except for the cuban, which yes. looks fabulous. Oh, it's and good. it's even, you know, it not only looks good eating, uh-huh. it's just pretty. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. That's one thing I go for. I try to go for is like, it's got to look good. You yeah. Know? It's got a pre- like, presentation. Almost like a dessert. Yeah, yeah sure. Yeah. I did bring you a piece a of cake, big, too. There's some cake in here for you, oh, too, Mom. Oh, <laughs> yeah. oh, I know you got other cake coming, but we yeah. got a slice of cheesecake oh. for you. Oh, good. Yes. Who yeah. doesn't yeah. want cheesecake? That's right. That's yeah. right. Andrew, tell us about this Cuban pizza. What's up? So the Cuban pizza, uh, the base is a bechamel base, a Swiss like a Swiss bechamel um, cheese sauce kind of thing. Um, it's got ham, uh, pickles like dill pickle chips. Uh, then we have a pulled pork that is marinated in mojo sauce. Uh, then a little Swiss cheese on top of that. Cook it after the oven. It gets a um, Dijon aioli on top. All right, all right. Very good. And there oh, are... I, I did want to give a shout out to my friend Marissa. She's a chef. She's a private chef. She came up with the idea. It's not my idea. I um, she helped me execute it, and she's an amazing chef. 
All right. How can we find Marissa online? Um, I think Chef Marissa on Instagram. Uh, yeah. All right. Cool. Yeah. All right, cool. Uh, Drew, and how can we find you online? Uh, Asheville Pizza South, uh, forward slash Asheville Pizza South, Facebook and and Instagram. All right. Pizza genius Drew (laughs) Peterson here on my mom's birthday, delivering a bunch of pies for us. (laughs) And we have four pies. I'm trying some ones, some classics that I've never had. My brother-in-law and my sister showing up, they have a favorite from your menu that they told me. But we'll reveal all of those because I don't want to ruin the surprise for my mom. Understood. All right, Drew. Thanks a lot, buddy. Thank you, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, sure thing. Happy birthday. Thank you. I'll catch up with you. Hey, everybody. It's me, Stu Helm, the food fan. And here I am in downtown Asheville on a Saturday morning at the downtown farmer's market. It's located on North Market Street, right next to Sovereign Remedies and the Brazilian Steakhouse. And there's a lot of great stuff here. So I'm going to go on in and try to talk to a few of the vendors and buy me some great stuff at the farmer's market. What's up, Sean? How are you, man? Good, good, John. This is my sister right here. Hi, Sean. It really threw me off. Like, I was looking over there when you said Mr. Helm. Mr. Helm. That's the first one. That is. Okay. So, Sean works at Manicomio. Oh, okay. Nice uh, to meet best you. pizza makers in Western yeah. North Carolina, oh, right here. Getting yeah, some John, John stopped down here last week, and uh, and I just moved to the Five Points area. So I was okay. like, wait, I walked past. I didn't, because I'm like one block over. I was like, I need to check this out before going in. Yeah, every Saturday, man. And me and Jen have decided to try to come here every Saturday. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's awesome. I'm going to bring like a big bag next time. At, look at what I got that I didn't have last time. Yeah. Big bag. Yeah, learning. Yeah, I'm learning, like, oh, exactly. <laughs> I'm, I'm teachable. Yeah, I'm going to try and do some... Uh, Peach pizza, maybe. Maybe tomorrow. Really? Yeah, I don't know. I also just saw the peaches. It was like, man, it's been a while. Okay. (laughs) What would a peach pizza look like? Uh, I don't know. I don't really know yet. I just saw them. um, I don't know. Like a garlic oil base. um, Maybe maybe like a desserty kind of thing. I got this strawberry jam, too. Okay. I'm probably just going to end up eating all these peaches. (laughs) There we go. There we go. All right, All right okay, good, so to, great good to, to see you. See you. Yeah, nice to meet you, day. Jen, right? Yep. Yeah, nice to meet you. Take care, brother. All right, everybody. It was kind of a, a pizza themed uh segment of the show right there uh with drew showing up from Asheville pizza south and running into sean at the farmer's market with my sister and sean of course from manicomio pizzeria downtown and it's always real nice to run into your friends in Asheville. that's one of the things i love about living in this little city and uh i can tell you that all of the pizza was great including the peach pizza that Sean made. That's right. I went back. The, I went into Manicomio the next day with a food tour. And there was a big Sicilian pie with 
it was not a dessert pie. It was a savory pie with a, I'm not sure what kind of a cheese base, but a creamy base and then some peaches and some balsamic drizzle. And uh, there might've been something else involved, but he gave me a piece. I cut it up into pieces. I shared it with my tour and it was fantastic. And of course, all the pizza that Drew brought us was just incredible. He makes great pizza and that Cuban pizza was great. And that is his pizza of the month for September. So you better get on that. And that's September 2023, in case you're listening to this years in the future on the internet. Uh, so yeah, get them pizzas. And one last thing before I say goodbye, a little bit of breaking news. There's a new Indian restaurant coming to Biltmore Ave on right downtown. It's right in the space where Holman and Finch used to be, and it's going to be called Layla, L-A-I-L-A, Layla Asheville Indian Cuisine. And what they're doing to the building so far looks real pretty on the outside and on the inside. Some of the brown paper kind of fell off of the window, and I took a peek inside, and I saw what was going on. I'm not sure I was supposed to get that sneaky-peaky, but I then posted about it on Facebook, so cat's out of the bag. And I couldn't find any information about Layla Asheville Indian Cuisine on the internets. So I have no idea what's going on, except for somebody said online, it's delicious. So that's somebody who's just familiar. So it's maybe working there. So anyways, there you go. Another Indian restaurant downtown. That makes five. There's Mephil, Dilbar, Chaipani, and Mela already. And now there's uh, Layla. Mela and Layla and Mephil. And there's also a Cajun place called Mayfell. So it's all very confusing in downtown Asheville. But if you want Indian food, boy, howdy, we've got it here in Asheville, North Carolina. Some some great Indian food. I mean, the Chaipani won a dang James Beard Award. So come to these mountains, eat Indian food. I'm sure the, the restaurateurs would love to see you. All right, folks, that's the end of the show. I'm Stu Helm. Thanks for listening. Thank you, WPVM 103.7 FM, the voice of Asheville broadcasting to the world for taking my humble podcast and turning it into a radio broadcast. I think that's pretty cool. And uh, please follow me on social media. My name is Stu Helm Food Fan on Facebook, Instagram, and Substack. And if you eat something good, find a way to let me know about it. Bye.